morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with a little change up this morning. Got Mr. Josh Wilson in the studio. That's right. Got your VIP guest in. <laughs> there you go. Of course, Josh's specialty at Agco is the transmission service. You're kind of cross-trained. You do pretty much everything. but A little bit of everything, but try to stick to as transmission. many transmissions mm-hmm. as you can. Anything, anything difficult about transmission certainly goes to you. That's right. <laughs> so... If you happen to have a question on transmissions, it'd be a good day to get it in, but that's not limiting that to our topic of conversation. Give us a call. Our number's 291-6901. Put a 225 in front of it. You can reach us from anywhere in the United States. 291-6901. Yeah, we were talking just a little bit before the show started, and a couple of things I did want to hit on just briefly. One is that a lot of times on your vehicle, there are features that people do not routinely use. And they may not even realize they're there. One of the examples with that would be like the uh, window lockout switch. That's right. Matter of fact, a fellow just came in Friday, similar situation, mm-hmm. AC making noise and speed controls changing. And it was turned out to be normal operation of that vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying with the door locks and everything, almost every vehicle is going to have child safety lock right. lockouts so that they can't open the door, window lockouts and a lot of times you may just go to a car wash and, you know, somebody will wipe down the interior right. and accidentally Actu- activate one of these systems, right. lock out a safety feature. Well, if you don't know it's there and something quits working, your natural assumption is something's broke. So like the fellow with the noise you were talking about and what had happened, the passenger had cut the vent all the way off. I guess they got cold. They just flipped the little vent all the way down. Well, the air rushing out was producing a whistle noise. Right. So he brought it in for thinking blower motor noise. Mm-hmm. And it was just as simple as opening the vent. Right. And, of course, that was causing the vehicle, uh, excuse me, the blower. AC fan speed, blower fan speed, to go up and down, up and down. Because as temperature changes, it doesn't really change the temperature of the air. That's pretty much fixed by the operation of the system. So what it does, it slows the fan up and down to control cabin and, temperature. Right, right, which would change the noise. Right, so, the noise would get louder and quieter. Right. So the point is, it was a normal situation that someone else had brought on. He had no way to know, but you just might want to check some of those things out before bringing it to the shop. Now, certainly, we don't mind going in saying, "Well, the other vents closed," but it saves you a lot of time. You have to make an appointment. You have to inconvenience yourself, bring the car in, drop it off, and yeah, a little bit of stress. A little stress. Yeah, <laughs> worried about what it's going to cost. Exactly. For something that really wasn't a problem. So you might just kind of want to look things over. I know several times a month, someone will come in and they'll say, three of my windows quit working. Only the driver's window works. And the first thing I ask them, did you accidentally push the window lockout? The what? The window lockout switch. Well, I don't have that. Well, I believe you do. But And a lot of times they'll bring the car in and as just as you guess, the, the switch has been pushed. And what that is, that's in a lot of cars, there's a window lockout switch. And when the driver pushes it, it disables the other three windows. And in this case, you have children or something in the car, you don't want them running the windows up and down or whatever. It just gives the driver an override. And a lot of times, it's a little small, obscure switch. You don't even know it's there. And you may inadvertently push it getting in and out of the car like you mentioned you might go to a car wash and they may wipe the interior down push the button all you know is all of a sudden three of the windows quit working right and you would 
really be surprised at how often we do see something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, dash lights go out, and right? It's just somebody wiped over the the dimmer switch, right? There's there's a rheostat switch on the dash, and most people don't realize it's there because they buy the car, it's turned up, they look at it, and most dashes today auto dim. In other words, it, they get brighter during the day and they get dimmer at night. That's automatic as a function of the automatic headlight system. So there's really no reason to change it a whole lot other than that. But there's also a switch where you can adjust it to your particular taste if you want to cut it even right. lower. And what will happen is someone, like I said, they'll go to a car wash. They're wiping the dash down. They'll brush the switch, push it all the way down. And all of a sudden, you don't have dash lights. Right. Or at least during the daytime, you can't see them. Yeah, at night, you might be able to see that they're on very dim. But it's one of those things that can happen, and you don't know about it. One last thing that kind of comes to mind, a lot of cars will have a valet switch, and that's if you go to a parking garage and you don't want the valet to be able to get into your trunk. You can flip the little switch. Sometimes it's in the glove box. Then you can lock the glove box, give him the keys. Well, he can open the door. he He can start the car, but he can't get into the trunk. And if that valet switch gets switch down auto, you know inadvertently now all of a sudden the trunk doesn't open anymore right so always check to see if you have that feature a lot of newer cars it knows from the key in other words, you have a valet key and it knows okay there's a valet key it just won't allow the trunk to open by the electronic button or anything and the key won't fit the trunk it'll open the doors it'll open the ignition or even the the button the, the keyless starts now right they may be a, a valet fob right. or valet mode you could put yeah. the fob in. Yeah, really, really important to really get to know the safety features of your car because mm-hmm. a lot of people, I mean, you can get locked out of certain functions and, and not even have a clue of thinking that it's a failure and it's just one of the features that comes with the vehicle. Right, and I'm just like everybody else. I'm not going to sit there and read that two-inch thick manual. Absolutely not. We're <laughs> just fig- not going to do it. Figure it out as we need it. Yeah, but, I mean, it doesn't hurt to at least peruse through it a yeah. little bit and kind of the at least the safety features, like you said. Right, right. So, hey, let's take our first phone call. We've got Kevin online. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing today? great, man. Good. Hey, I had a question for you today. Okay. Uh, I was actually driving my father's truck. He goes with me whenever I go truck driving, and mm-hmm. sometimes we take his pickup up four-hour round trip to get to work. But I was wanting to know, one thing I realized, he has a 2015 Dodge Ram 2500. It does have the Cummins diesel, and it's automatic. But whenever I let off the throttle, let's say you're just trying to be easy driving around town, you let off the throttle, it feels as though there's a little bit of slack in the drive line. It's very rough engagement. You give it a little bit of throttle, and it kind of feels like it, it kind of gives you a rough engagement going the other way as well. And I didn't know if there is some way. I know you've spoken about drive shafts can, can fail in multiple ways, and I wouldn't think at 50,000 miles would be having trouble with that, but it sure feels like there's slack in the drive line or slack in the rear end somewhere. Yeah, is and that, I just uh, didn't know if that's something you'd heard of before. Is that four-wheel drive or just two? Yes, it is four-wheel. Okay, yeah, you, you can pick up a little extra slack well, throughout the transfer case and the drive shafts. Mm-hmm. First thing, I mean, always on these late model vehicles uh, is mm-hmm. pull TSBs and see if there's a flash update for any kind of shift concern. Okay. Almost every vehicle has released shift improvement calibrations for the computer, the way that the computer will command on and off, you know, certain bands and clutches Okay. Uh, to improve shift feel. Yeah, a lot of times okay. what they do when they originally designed it, they 
designed it a certain way, but then they had complaints and they went in and they can fix so much of that stuff with software now. Right. Sure. Well, that's, that's what I was wondering because I've, I've listened to you guys for a long time and I know you said that a lot of times you can go ahead and reprogram things. Mm-hmm. They might, they might change like with, I think it was the Oldsmobiles you were talking about where they could actually fix that issue where they would have a, uh, explosion in the intake manifold. Right, that's right. Uh, yeah, and and, the only, the key on, and of course, pop. we don't want to lose any power with this truck, but mm-hmm. then again, it's, it's got like 800 foot-pound of torque anyway, so right. I don't think that'd be an issue. <laughs> Not too but, much. Uh, but they do haul a pretty sizable fifth wheel to Florida every mm-hmm. year, and I just don't want to have an issue with them driving down there sometime and you know, there'd be an issue that we could have maybe found earlier. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would certainly, I would certainly look at the drive shafts on it, Kevin, because if mm-hmm. you ever drove through any high water, water can get into those shafts, it can get into the U joints, mm-hmm. and they can make them fail even at fifty thousand miles. So, I mean, okay. it's not enough just to crawl on there and kind of turn them back and forth. That's one way to see if there's any slack sure. in it, but. You might want to just take them out. They're not very difficult to take out. Just kind of work those little crosses back and forth, make sure nothing's binding or tight or any of that kind of stuff because any of that can certainly, and there's more. There's two drive shafts at least on there, maybe right. three ports sure. to drive shafts. So there's a lot of U-joints under it, and that is another possibility. But I would certainly check for flash updates first off. Yeah, flash okay, updates. Great. And you're at 50,000 miles, it's due for your services. Yeah, I'd go ahead and service that, uh, particularly the way you're yeah. using it. Right. That um, has been done, actually. Okay, the right. transmission is, has been taken care of. I believe, the way I understand, I think they're going to be doing the differentials this fall be about uh, as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because it's, yeah, it, it hauls about an 18,000 pound camper. So, yeah. mm-hmm. really want to make sure that that's getting done on time. Oh, absolutely. Otherwise, it's just amazing. I mean, this is a work truck. And it there there is no comfort that is left out. I mean, I, I, I hope I hope something? that nothing electronically goes out. Yeah, but I tell you, <laughs> but I tell you what, it is amazing. It used to be we had like a '91 Ford F one fifty, and it was a work truck. Yeah, it had a radio. That's right. It had right. heat. That right. was about it. Everything was, you know, manual window, right. you know, crank and everything. But I tell you what, we never had trouble with that truck. That yeah, well, nothing to break. <laughs> yeah, but this thing is just. 20 miles per gallon in the city, which is just ridiculous yeah. for such a heavy truck. Yeah, it is. But it just does everything you want to do. And Do you have time for one more question? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I was going to make a comment that I had spoke to you guys before about the Buick as well. A Buick that we were, the oil level was going way sky high. Okay. And I think we smelled some gasoline in there. Now, it's at the shop getting looked at. They wanted us to, they went ahead and changed the oil, and they said, go ahead and drive it, and then we'll check it. Right. Well, we we did that and checked it, and it went high again. Okay. And they said at the dealership they wanted to just go ahead and change the oil again and have us drive it again. And I'm thinking... Okay, no, this is this is not the case because this time when we checked the oil, it was actually I'm not kidding, it was probably four inches up on that dipstick. Wow, yeah. And I have no idea what's going on, but uh, I, I I didn't know if there was something you guys might suggest on that because there is something wrong. Oh, absolutely. I, don't know, uh, I mean, the first thing, I, yeah, first thing I do is send the oil out and have it analyzed and see what's in it sure. because something's got to be getting into it. And it's either going to be coolant or gasoline. I would think for the most part, that's the two most common things for sure. Mm-hmm. but I would send the oil out to like one of the labs and have them analyze it and tell me what's in it. That yeah. pretty much show you where you need to start looking. Yeah. Because I tell you what, that, uh, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, the damage that can be done. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah if glycol oil oil gets into that oil. It's going to take all the lifters out and take the camshaft out. And then you got <laughs> big, big deal. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I, I appreciate it, guys. Hopefully, we're going to hear something soon. They've had it for about a week, so yeah. we're trying to figure out what's going on. But, okay, uh, So, guys, thank you so much. Okay, where you, where you calling from, day. Kevin? Oh, from West Virginia. Okay, there you go. I thought so. <laughs> yep. All right, yep. man. Yep. Well, you guys have an accent down there. We don't have an That's accent. That's right. Isn't that so something? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll All say right, the same guys, thing. You. <laughs> appreciate you calling, <laughs> man. You. Thank you so much. All, All right, right. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. I am the great fondue, automobile fortune teller. See? I'm hoping you can tell me if I have any big car repairs looming in my future. Ah, I see you among many cars, stopping and going. Yeah, Baton Rouge traffic. Now you're making a left turn. Hands, ten and two. Nice form. Uh, thanks? Now you're stopped at a light. Look, you're just naming things I do every day. I want to know if my car is going to break down anytime soon. If you're hoping to gaze into your car's future, Agco suggests bringing in your vehicle once a year for a general inspection. Agco gives you an honest opinion on the maintenance needed to keep your car running and save you money on big repairs in the future. Craig Fondue, you should try another profession instead of a car fortune teller. Well, I was a mechanic at one of those quick lube places, and believe me, I'm actually a better fortune teller. Well, that's scary. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan. Today we have Mr. Josh Wilson, our transmission resident guru in the studio. So if you have a transmission question, it's a good time to call in. And the call you may have, we'll be good to try to entertain it. We were talking a little bit about features and stuff that come on cars, and I don't want to beat the subject to death, but basically just be familiar with the features on your car and kind of look for simple things before going to the trouble and expense of bringing the car to the shop. That's right. There's so many new features on these new cars that, I mean, is like you said, the the owner's manual can be two, three inches thick. That's right. Some of them, not even, I'm sure they're not even going to print the owner's manual. They're going to tell you to go online and, and look it up. Yeah, that it may I mean, come with a, a DVD or right, it may come, who knows what. I, I know some of them come with like a little, I don't know what to call it, a tablet or a little electronic device of some sort. Right, all just the so they don't have to print up so much of that information in, mm-hmm. in one book. Well, probably have enough room to keep it in the glove box. <laughs> the glove box got so small. You know, another thing that kind of comes to mind, we ran across a car the other day. I think it was an Infinity, and it was a fairly new one, and it did not have a spare tire in it. And the guy brought it in for a general inspection, and I go to check the spare. I said, you realize you don't have a spare tire? Right. And he says, well, yeah, it seems like I remember him saying something about that. But where the spare tire went was just a big piece of styrofoam. And there was a place for a spare tire, but right. it had a piece of styrofoam and the hole to hold the trunk mat up, so it was obviously designed that way. Right, that is a, a add-on feature for an option. a lot of vehicles now. Well, yeah, I called Infinity and it's oh yeah, you can get a spare tire kit by three hundred fifty bucks. Yep, I'm like wow, okay, so you paid seventy grand for the car, now you can pay three fifty to get a spare yeah. tire jack. Uh, <laughs> forget the lady who had it, newer Caravan, Dodge mm-hmm. Caravan. Mm-hmm. That is a special option. It doesn't come standard on that you know, a lot of cars. Yeah, so that's something you need to watch for. You well, know, and it, again, you say, well, what do I do if I have a flat? We'll call road service. But what's road service going to do? They come out and put your spare on. If you don't have a spare, I mean, they can't fix the flat tire. Let's say you rupture a tire. I mean, right. the, the best they can do is call a, a wrecker to tow you somewhere to get another tire. So, yeah, it just seems kind of boneheaded to me after building cars one way for 100 years 
all of a sudden decide you don't need a spare. I mean, I know a couple times I was awful glad I had a spare tire in my car. Oh, yeah, when you need it, you really need it. Well, that's right. I mean, like I say, you call road service, but the only thing they can do is come out and put a spare on for you. Right. And if you don't have a spare and you don't have a jack and you don't have a lug wrench, I mean, and you're on Sunday, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> Sunday on the side of the interstate in a 150 degree temperature. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines with Greg. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, I got an 03 Camry with uh, 340,000 miles. Okay. Got an oil question. Mm-hmm. Regularly change the oil every 4,000 without fail. Okay. I've noticed that about every 950 every thousand miles it needs a, a quart yeah mm-hmm. i go to one of these oil change places with a toilet i bring my own toilet filter mm-hmm. using you know castro uh, gtx okay. which mm-hmm. i've always used right they offer free top off okay so you know when it gets low i just whip in there and get it topped off okay. my question is they try to push me towards the high mileage oil and then no. i've also seen you know, in the parts store, these additives. No, for no, don't, don't do that. No, don't do that. There's nothing in a can that's going to fix that problem. I mean, at right. 340,000 miles, the rings are worn, the valve guides are worn, the valve guide seals are worn. It's just consuming some oil. Sure. That being said, the fix is worse than the problem. You know, right. you can go on just like you're going, but when you start adding all these components, these different chemicals to it, on an engine that old, you could create a really, really bad problem. So, no, do not let them talk into changing the all type. Do not put any kind of chemicals in there. Just keep doing exactly what you're doing. I mean, I think the fix is worse than the problem. If you just keep adding a little all to it from time to time, that's all you got to do. I mean, you sure. might get another 140,000 miles out of well, it. Well, and that was my thought. I mean, because the, the Castrol high mileage is about $12 more per oil right. change. And I don't if think I'm it's anything. If I'm getting free top-offs, right. what? Yeah. Why spend the money? Well, not only that, but you're introducing new chemicals into an engine that's never had them in there. Who knows right. what it's going to do? So, no, right. I, I would not do that. I stay exactly what you're doing now and just keep on going. I mean, you decide you want to rebuild the engine, that's a different matter. But, you right. know, no more than the problem is. It's not filing plugs. It's not doing anything else. I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything more than I'm, you're doing right now. All right, good deal. Thanks. All right. Okay, Greg, thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you have a question or a comment, you give us a call. And I want to talk. We had a friend of ours who emailed and he said would you guys talk just a little bit about how you got involved in the automotive business and i said well i'll see if i can put some thoughts together <laughs> it's probably not as romantic as all that but no it was real easy for me yeah real easy for you that's right uh, your, your dad owned the shop he threw you in there and said yeah. go to work <laughs> about five six years old and it's time to work boy that's right <laughs> exactly right well and a lot of folks in the automotive business did grow up in it. Maybe their dad owned a shop or their brother or a family member. Right. And like you said, literally five, six years old, you were probably near cleaning up. And maybe by the time you were 10 or 12, you were probably cleaning parts and doing mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you kind of grew up with the automotive business. And you have a huge advantage when you do grow up that way. In that you know the tools. You know, Dad says, hand me a Phillips screwdriver. Well, you know what that is. Hand me a half-inch drive ratchet. You know what that is. Hand me a boxed-in wrench or an open-in wrench or spanner wrench. Right. You know all that. By the time you're 10 years old, you knew all that stuff. So when you want to get education to go further, I mean, basically all you needed was a little bit of theory. Right. And you were ready to go to work. Right. I, I tell you, and it just seems like it was much easier 20, 30 years ago to get into this field 
mm-hmm. to jump off in it now from scratch i mean it just seems mind-boggling really uh, unless like you said you started when you were 10 years old right studying electronic theory and lab scopes and all that which not a whole lot of 10 year olds are studying those sorts of things right. these days and not only the complexity of the cars but the cost of tooling right you know we started you know you just buy your wrenches and sockets and impacts a few hundred dollars and you can yeah, at least you have enough stuff to work with now a wrench set is two three hundred dollars right just every just socket one set. set is two hundred dollars i mean it the cost has to get has skyrocketed mm-hmm. astronomically and yeah startup cost is just crazy yeah it's, it's really really is and of course i came along i guess i was born not too long after the war and that's when the hot rod era was really developed all these guys came home from the war they've been flying p51s and all that well by the time they got home got married got a house they kind of started missing some of that need for speed so they mm-hmm. started building hot rods right and that's what i grew up the era i grew up with and same story as you when i was 10 years old i was down in the corner with the the older guys and cleaning parts for them and what have you just kind of hanging out because i thought it was cool right your first time i heard a 283 chevy with open headers i was hooked (laughs) (laughs) that was it i started saving my coins and by the time i was 15 i bought old 55 chevrolet with the motor in the trunk worked on it for several years got it going made a race car out of it and i remember the the first time i ever went to the track with the car we staged and guy staged on the side i mean took off we got through the end of the race i mean i was doing everything i could remember to do but i didn't know who won <laughs> i'd drive all around pits and, and the guy said you won i, was, I had no idea i was totally yeah, just, focused on myself but yeah just keeping it in your lane and go that's right i was certainly hooked by that time second yeah. round the guy ended up red lighting so i got a buy run so yeah. i ended up getting a trophy that weekend and i guess that really hooked me but out of just being around cars being around the race cars and and that kind of stuff just the interest i had in that Mm -hmm. just led into a career right and for the people coming in new and fresh i mean if you can get entry level even and i know we not real big on dealerships and service work but Mm -hmm. that is kind of a good place to start because you can go to their classes you know they'll send you to Mm -hmm transmission class they'll send you to the drivability class it's good and it's bad it's good because you can get some decent training and all that but it's bad because the environment is usually so negative that they drum a lot of people out. a lot of people get dissatisfied with the industry and leave and not ever realize there are better places to work where you're not on commission fighting with the guy next to you for every job and all that sort of thing so it's a double-edged sword, and you just have to sort of understand that going in, that this is the environment that I'm going to be in, but I'm going to trade that off. Right. I'm going to get in, get, get, get some, some experience, basics, get some basics and, down. And, right. And get out and try to, you know, either open your own shop or move you know, on to move a, on to a, a independent shop where I can be treated a little bit <laughs> right. more like a human being, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, hey, we take our second little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. So, Madame Babushka, you can tell if my brand new bow and mirror are a good match? Yes. As I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on the couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting? Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At Agco, you can. 
Take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road. Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Ah, c'est la vie. My work here is done. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. We just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Bur <coughs> Boy, uh, Mr. Josh Wilson. I told you I'd do that before today was out. Hey, of course, Josh is the automatic transmission guy over at Agco. So if you happen to have a question about your transmission, it'd be a good day to call in. He can probably answer a question more fully than I can for certain. We were talking to just a bit about how so many of the new vehicles are coming out with CVTs rather than transmissions. Right. Right. And uh, I think that's kind of a move in the future. You'll probably see more and more and more vehicles with a CVT. That is, we go to our annual classes, you know, right. keep up on our training. And, you know, over the last two, three years, the CVT transmissions have just increased dramatically on in the vehicles that they're being released in. Mm -hmm. And although they're working out really good right now, there's still no parts to work on them. Right. You know, we just, even things as simple as transmission filters they're not released yet from the manufacturer right we had a 2016 honda uh, honda the other day right and call for a transmission filter the one that's under the pan and it's just not available yeah they don't Honda leave, does not supply yeah, we don't, it we don't there is an external there. filter under the what they call a transmission warmer which i guess you could see as the cooler but it's an external type filter and it's while I would say I would change it maybe at higher mileage, at lower mileage, it's probably not so important. But the one in the transmission itself is not available. It's not available aftermarket yet, and Honda has not released it yet. That's right. And the filter we're talking about, I mean, there's no internal parts available at all. Mm -hmm. And that's on most of your CVTs that are out there running on the roads. So, yeah, any you know, failure is going to pretty much involve another transmission. That's right. Because there are no parts available to rebuild them or, or to repair them even. Right. And, you know, that's something to consider car shopping. You know, we say, you know, do your research. Get a car that's been out there for a while, tried and true. And the Honda CRV would be one of those. But, right. you know, if you don't know that they have switched over to the CVT trans, and, and I'm not knocking the CVT, it may be one of the best transmissions ever to come out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you do run into a problem, you are going to be looking at a transmission, you know, just the complete replacement. Or replacement because that's unit. all that's going to be available. In the foreseeable future. And now, I'm not going to say there are companies, I'm sure, right now as we speak, that are working on reverse engineering some of these parts and all right, that. At our last you know our class in March, big big cvt sections and you know these guys some have left the technical training and technical support lines and mm -hmm. gone full-time into developing cvt transmission parts right we're trying trying to get these tooled up developed and out there for the industry to well, be the, able the to market that's going to exist at some point and of course the biggest reason they're all going to the cvt number one is a matter of cost they want to keep engine RPM in a narrow range to meet federal emissions. In other words, you can optimize an engine to run at a specific RPM very effectively. Like if we're going to keep this engine at 1,800 RPM, we can optimize everything to give the best possible emissions at that RPM. 
But as vehicle speed changes, unless you've got a lot of gears, it's very hard to keep it in that range. Well, the CVT is constantly variable, variable, so you can keep it within that range easier. So it's an emissions control thing. And it's just cheaper to build that than an 8-speed or 10-speed transmission would be. Well, that and the links that these manufacturers have to go through just to get even a you know a couple of tenths better fuel mileage mm-hmm. is just crazy because i mean they they do anything they can just to get it down you know two three tenths of a of well a all of the low-hanging fruit has been gotten right you know the easy things they could do like reducing vehicle weight they've got vehicles down so light now that there's really not any way to practically get them a lot lighter i mean unless you make them much smaller and people don't like smaller vehicles no we're not going smaller so unless you go to thing like carbon fiber which is extremely expensive you may shave a few pounds here and there but there's so much aluminum in the bodies now and so much reduction of weight because weight is one of the factors when it comes to aerodynamics streamlining the cars again they've got the profiles of these cars so streamlined that they've just about gone as far as they can go within reasonable standards i mean if you make it any more streamlined then the passengers aren't able to fit into it very easily that's right and you crowd the engine compartment and all those sorts of things so for everything you gain like we've said many times you lose something else most of the not to beat the quotation depth the low-hanging fruit easy gains have been gotten as far as improvements to the internal combustion engine again they have gone i guess as far as they practically can there are certainly more things they could try and they could do but making major major changes to an internal combustion engine is difficult because it changes everything in the field and the manufacturing sector all that sort of thing so when they can come up with anything to get just a tiny tiny increase they're pretty much right on it right then they're going to be doing it and then that's all that's going to be available for you you know shopping for a new car or even shopping for a car that's two or three years old you know, you, you really want to watch what you're getting into and, you know, kind of try to predict, you know, in the future, if I do have trouble, how are we going to address it? Well, and if you have to take a CVT, at least you want one with a pretty good ground record. You don't want something that's brand new, just came out this year, because we don't know what. It may be great, but it may not. Right. And you don't want to get into that guy. Now, another thing is, if I owned a vehicle with a CVT, I would want to change that fluid really regular i know the manufacturer says you can go a hundred thousand miles but you have to remember if you can't change the filter if the filter becomes restricted now a failure is imminent and a failure means another transmission definitely so i would want to change that fluid at a much earlier time and mileage than what the manufacturer recommends because i want to protect this non-replaceable filter right and that's not even that's not only you know restricted to the cvts we see that a lot with the new transmissions you know you call on a new ford eight speed and you know oh that's a sealed transmission it doesn't you don't have to do anything to it no that does that doesn't mean that that just means it's more difficult to do it that's right and the ultimate outcome is that you're gonna put another transmission yeah they called dealership on a car and he says what's a lifetime transmission well yeah lifetime because as soon as it burns up that's the end of the lifetime that's right your life just ended that's right and you know transmission now yeah we have our our you know our older customers that actually follow that maintenance schedule that we provide real you know to Mm -hmm. the t and our one with the caravans and the right 
Santa Fe's. You know, he's mm-hmm. getting three three hundred fifty thousand miles on him. Of course, he's running them. Yeah, you know, hot shot type sort of right. But every thirty thousand, forty thousand, he's in to get that transmission service. Right. And, well, what he's learned is just like we talk about every single week. The only reason to service the transmission is because it's cheaper than not servicing it. That's right. It's going to save you money. And there's, I want to spend this money because a transmission is $4,000, and I'm going to spend 200 to lessen the likelihood of a failure. Right. That doesn't mean it can't fail because if an electrical part goes out, it's going to still fail. Or if a gear breaks or if something lets go inside, it's still going to break regardless if you service it or not. But it is going to lessen the likelihood of the most common failures, which are lubrication-related or pressure-related from a plugged filter or something like that. From a dirty filter. And also, you guys, you know, you're guys doing the maintenance. Uh, we can oftentimes tell them, hey, look, this has got more metal debris building up than i like have. to see. Yeah, we do 50 cars like this and they're all clean and yours has a lot more metal than the last 50 i've done you know you're looking at something starting to fail something is going wrong so you have to you're given the chance to make a decision do you want to continue with this vehicle and look at putting a transmission in it or doing a heavy repair versus all right am i ready to trade and go in for you know something different well, yeah and again it's always much easier to make that decision when your vehicle is still running right because obviously when the vehicle quits running the value of it drops to almost nothing but also you're under the gun to make a make a yeah, choice you have to you have to decide right now and you have no time to shop around and for the right deal that that fits you the best right yeah, if, if you knew ahead of time, hey, this thing will probably fail within the next year. Right. Well, now you're in a much stronger position than you put it in gear and wham, loud noise, and it doesn't move. Because now you got a vehicle that's worth zero. It doesn't move. Right. So you're, you either got to repair it, even to trade it or whatever, or just push, pull, drag it somewhere and, and take what they give you. And you're not going to tow this thing around too many car lots, shopping prices and stuff. So you're just in a much, much stronger position to go ahead and do something while it's still running, and this can provide that kind of information for you. Exactly. As well as lessen the chances of being in that position. Hey, one last quick little break. Be right back. Gotta run, Paul. I'm heading to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it in once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems early. And they remind me of important upcoming maintenance. Things like oil changes, changing my timing belt, tire wear. Yeah, a general inspection each year would be a great thing for my marriage. Paul, thanks for bringing Marie in for her general inspection. Overall, she's in great shape. I did dial back her shopping system to save you a little money, and her nag button was stuck, so I loosened that up so you can work on your golf game and not those honeydews. As far as preventive maintenance, you've got a big anniversary coming up in April, so put that on your calendar. And I'd suggest flowers for no reason and more compliments. And Agco saved me thousands of dollars. Paul? Paul, are you listening? Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Sounds like I need to take Marie. <laughs> me my car into agco for a general inspection keep your car on the road longer schedule your general inspection today at agco automotive agco it's the place to go hey welcome back to the final segment of the automotive hour i'm your host lewis altazan president of agco automotive got our 
transmission guru, Mr. Josh Wilson, here in the studio with me today. So if you have a transmission-related question, you give us a call. It'll be a good day to questions on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to muddle around through. The term sealed transmission gets thrown around a lot these days, and a lot of times you'll recommend someone, well, have you haven't serviced the transmission. Oh, it's sealed. There's really no such thing as a sealed transmission. What they are calling a sealed transmission is that it doesn't have a dipstick, so it's hard to check the fluid, or you have to have a special procedure to check the fluid. And many times they don't list a filter for it. But right. there really is no such thing as a sealed transmission, per se, that does that wouldn't benefit from a service. Yeah. And, and virtually every other transmission, even the newer, you know, six, eight, nine speeds, all those filters are out released and available for service and you know they in your maintenance schedule they do put that push that way way back to a hundred thousand maybe even one hundred fifty thousand if it's on there at all right but what we find i mean well again they're in the business of selling new cars right you stretch it out that far and you start ending up with shutters and shift concerns you've already got some damage occurring by the time the service right interval comes up and a lot Which of could have been preempted. so much of that is addressed with the new fluid right you know just getting that shutter out of it mm-hmm. before it does further damage let's go to our phone lines with james good morning james hey i'm sorry james you can call right back i'll put you up at the top of the list and we've got jim online good morning jim hey good morning guys good morning while we're talking transmission i have a question about a, a 2011 honda crv mm-hmm. and i believe it doesn't have a transmission filter in it how often should i be changing the the fluid in there yeah that would be a double drain and fill on that one yeah me personally jim i'd be doing every thirty thousand miles just because it's it's easy i mean you could literally do it yourself if you care to right Uh, i think it's like three quarts three three and a half quarts Mm -hmm. yeah about three and a half quarts there is a filter in it you just you have to take the transmission out and disassemble the case to get to the filter so it's not practical to change it it, yeah what's the the reason behind not having a changeable filter just just the way they designed it, just the, yeah. the way they built it. Now, I think a lot of those, two do have an external filter yes. that you can get to, but it's kind of hard to get to. We usually change those up around 100,000 miles. But if you change it, a double drain and fill every 30,000 miles, you're probably not going to have any trouble because you, your filters aren't going to get that dirty. Right. If you'll, if you'll follow the cooler line that leaves the transmission and goes to the radiator, Right. Uh, some of those will have a, a small metal, they call it an inline filter, okay. that, that can be replaced. You just have now, to are they, is, is it screwed on then, uh, or just not screw on? It's like a... No, it'll be held in with a metal bracket and two hose clamps on either side of it. Okay, so it goes from the transmission to the cooler, and it's in line between the two. Right, Correct. and it's not on all of them. You just okay. have to check, check and see. Just, 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 just follow the okay. lines. Okay, all right, well, thank you for your help. All I right, appreciate Jim. it. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, we're going back to our phone lines with James. Good morning, James. Yeah, good morning. How y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Look, I got a question. My truck is in park right now, and I and on the dash, it came up saying shift inhibitor. Mm-hmm. What is that? Most of the time, James, that is going to be a failure in the brake light or the energy. You have to see, it has to see brake application before it lets it come out of gear. Okay? And if you're putting your foot on the brake and it doesn't know that, then it's not going to release it out of gear. Now, almost every vehicle does have an override procedure, so you can get it out to get it somewhere. If you look in your owner's manual, they're going to tell you what the override procedure is. Sometimes if you turn the key just to own, but not all the way over 
where you would drive it, you know, just the first little click. Then uh-huh. you can go ahead and shift it to neutral and start it in neutral. Then it'll shift out of neutral. That'd be a way to get somewhere. Other ones have a little plug or something you take out where you can push something in there and disengage the shift release depending on how it's built. But if something in that system has malfunctioned, it's not seeing that you're putting the brakes on. And so you have, it could be a bad brake light switch. Sometimes it can be as simple as both your taillights are burned out. Sometimes it's a malfunction of the solenoid or the module or whatever, but it's something in that system. Okay, and, and now to keep it from going to drive? Right. You will not be able to shift it out of park. Yeah, that's what it's doing. It's mm-hmm. like it's yeah. not getting... Try turning your key just off the lock position and see okay. if it'll allow you to move it. Put your foot on the brake and see if it'll allow you to move it to neutral. If it does, you can start it in neutral, then you'll be able to shift just to get somewhere. Okay. And if not, look in your owner's manual. There'll probably be a procedure in there to override the system. Okay, but that's something I could do myself. You don't need to bring it to the shop. Well, you have to bring it to the shop to find out what's wrong, or next time you okay. put it in park, it's not going to come out again. It's going to keep doing okay. it. But, uh, but I can't. But, but it, it'll you allow can't... you to drive it to the shop rather than have to tow it. Okay. All right. All righty. Okay, thanks. Right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, let's see. we got every one of our lines are lit up. We've got Bob on line. Good morning, Bob. Uh, good morning. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. Thank you. I think I've got a simple question. I've got a 2011 Tahoe, mm-hmm. and I have a boat, about a 21-foot boat. It's not a really big boat, but I have usually used the tow button. There's a, you know, on the shift right. lever, there's a button you yeah, push tow the hall. tow. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Should I, should I be using that tow butt position with a boat that size, or is it helping or hurting or anything? Oh, yeah, de- definitely want to have that tow haul on that's going to in- increase the clutch pressures okay it's, it's going to boost all the pressures for more holding capacity so prevent slippage yeah you de- definitely want to use that button when you're towing that button. okay mm-hmm. also well, increases think- the alternator output and stuff like that to run the trailer lights and all that it's a good feature oh yeah well i guessed right then i've been using it the entire time <laughs> well good i was wondering because it, it, it tends to make the engines rev higher. It does. It's, so my, it's trying so to make more ga- power. Mm-hmm. So my gas mileage drops off a it little will. bit. But it will. But it's better to keep it in position. There. Yeah, what it does, it raises engine speed slightly to increase power to increase the, to help pull the extra load. And also, at the yeah, same time, right. it may shift a little harder and shift a little later because it's you know, locking those clutches in a little more firmly. Well, I guess right then. Yep, Thank you very you much. <laughs> I, I enjoy your show. Thank you. All right, Bob. Okay. Thanks for calling, man. Oh, bye bye. All right, we've got Herb online. Good morning, Herb. Yes, sir. I got a two sixteen Toyota Tundra. Uh huh. Do you when you change fluids? I'm gonna bring it to y'all if we'll do it. But how much of the fluid do you get out percent wise or something else? You know, we are talking transmission. Yeah, you're talking about the transmission fluid. Yeah. Still getting about forty percent of the fluid out. Okay. Uh, there's a lot that's left in the torque converter and in the clutch drums. That one also does not have a dipstick. That one has to be checked underneath. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering. That's sure, a, like, yeah, another good reason, Herb, to do those early. I don't push them to 100,000 miles because if you're pushing the fluid to 100,000 miles, it's almost 100% depleted, and you're going to get about 40% out. Yeah. I mean, I would change that around 50,000 miles. and yep, that's that, what we're going to do. Yeah, i say right. it's 50% depleted, but you got half the fluid changed. Right. So then you hit it again at 100. Now you've got mostly all the fluid has been replaced at some point. Yeah, it's just a much, much cheaper way to do it than to push it out to the limit. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to bring my Taurus over as soon as I get back from vacation. I'm going in my truck on vacation. So okay. It, it's sitting 50000 so. Well, good okay. deal. Good deal. If my wife don't keep tearing the fenders over there. Okay. <laughs> I look forward <laughs> to seeing you, man. Okay. Thank you. All Bye-bye. right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 
right. 291-6901 is the number if you want to call us and get a question answered. Still yeah. got a few minutes left. Right. That tundra is one of the ones that we tend to see the shutter and come in right around 110, 120,000 right. miles. Never been serviced, and they, they just start picking up a clutch shutter. Right. Uh, uh, of course, the Ford six speeds are real bad about that as well. Correct. And those are showing up at a much lower mileage. In fact, yes. I don't know, didn't Ford increase their change recommendation? You know, I've looked on, on many of the Ford maintenance schedules, uh-huh. and it, transmission's not even on there. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but a transmission service many times will correct that problem. Let's see if we got time to squeeze one more call in here. we got Chris on the line. Good morning, Chris. Hey, how you doing this morning? Doing great, sir. I have a 2002 Chevy Tahoe. Okay. It's got 187,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. When do I start doing all the – because I did all the services at 100,000. Right. Do you just follow the same pattern at 200,000? What I would do, Chris, is I would probably move those up somewhat because as the vehicle gets older, it requires better care. You know, just like a man needs better care. When I was 20 years old, I mean, I could drink beer and eat Twinkies and stay up all night. But, you know, now I'm 65. I can't do those things. I would probably change that. It doesn't mean I'm not going to live longer, hopefully, but same thing with your truck. It may live to be 400,000 miles, but I would move that up. I'd probably be doing that right about now. You know, go about 20% sooner the second time around, just because when you did it the first time, you got most of the coolant out, you got most of the transmission fluid out, you got a lot of stuff done, but you can get every bit of it out, plus everything is older now. It works harder. So, yeah, I would probably be doing that right now. I'd be doing the 200,000-mile service at around a 180. I just think that would be cheaper for you than to wait until something starts to break. Because, you know, as things get old, you're putting a lot more stress and strain on them. Yeah. Right. Well, so the transmission, do you recommend just changing the fluid, or do you recommend flushing it out? No, fluid and filter, just drop the pan, do a regular professional service. You don't ever want to flush the transmission out. Okay. Okay. All righty. Huh. Interesting. All right. I appreciate your help, man. Okay, man. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. You know, flushing is one of those things a lot of people don't realize. That's just a marketing term. That probably gets less of the fluid out than dropping the pan would. Simply because you're interrupting one of the circuits out of about five or six different circuits, draining the fluid off that, dumping it back into dirty fluid, and then training it back out again. That's right. And fluid, they tap into the cooler lines, and all of these new transmissions have a little – it's like a thermostat. Right. It's not going to open – cooler flow up there's no not gonna be any oil flowing to the cooler until it gets at a certain temperature Mm -hmm. so that's that's one of the drawbacks to it you know they have to have a would have to have a heated flush machine that would get it up to about 150 degrees uh, well and even even be able to and even if they could get all of the fluid out the cooler line that does nothing for the fluid in the dark converter or in the clutches or stirs up any little debris that's in there and and puts it right into the filter right just so, further restricts the filter i see we're just right. about out of time you start winding on up getting on out of here tell about how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every saturday morning on the automotive hour and if you happen to listen to our show on podcast we really appreciate you giving us a written review that moves us up in the rankings that way when someone types in auto repair our name comes up close to the top of the list which means more people are going to click on it so simple business if you can't find a written review just go to google and go to our shop agco auto Agco Automotive, and you can give us a review there, and we'd appreciate that just as much. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.